Hey everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. This is Aid here with your weekly dose of analog photography, chatter, nattering, uh, tangents, off the beaten path type stuff. Uh, this is show 60 and uh, our little strategic plan to get rid of Graham now we got Rach has actually come to fruition a bit quicker than we thought because he's not here this week. <laughs> So, um, but you don't just have me and Rach to listen to because we have a super special guest. First of all, though, uh, Rach, how are you doing? Hi, um, Aid. I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. Uh, yeah, it's been sunny. It's been thundery. It's been wet and rainy, and all sorts of uh, wonderful weather up here in the uh, in the northwest recently. So it's been a bit of a crazy week. <laughs> Do you know what? I was watching your part of the world on the telly on the weekend because the open golf was just down the road or I should say up the road from you wasn't it it was absolutely and it was pouring down where i live and my little girl who had a birthday party in a tent in a garden this this weekend uh the the, the little girls were all stuck inside the tent because they couldn't go out because of the pouring rain and then all the golf was really sunny yeah, we had all the beautiful sunshine up here instead. Oh, I feel really bad about the uh, the birthday party. I'm sure they still had a lovely time, though. They they did, they did. And they are a bit too young for Blackpool Pleasure Beach. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we all are. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe we all are. Well, I'll tell you what, let, let's get on with the show because you have arranged for us a super smashing guest this week. So why don't you introduce him? Sure. Um, so this week I've asked uh, a gentleman called Declan Connolly to come along um, and ch- talk to us. He is basically a fine art documentary photographer who uses analog as his main medium. And um, I met Declan uh, about a year, 18 months ago, um, when I was outside the Open Eye Gallery in Liverpool and I was doing delivering a workshop as part of the Mersey International River Festival, I think, or the BBC um, Get Creative Day, one or one or other of those events, and um, he was kind enough, kind enough to come along and help me um, lend a hand when I, ha- I was surrounded by about two hundred small small children and families and tourists and everybody. It was all pretty chaotic, but lots of fun. And uh, yeah, Declan was there as a an assistant extra hand, um, and uh, I I popped back to Open Eye Gallery uh, this week actually and chatted to some of the staff there, and they mentioned that Declan was back from a trip to Hong Kong, which is pretty exciting. So. Um, spoke to him about whether he would come on the show and he said yes which is lovely so uh, Declan do you want to uh, give us a hello and tell us a little bit about yourself sure hello I'm Declan and yeah I'm getting used to the colder climate the not used to not sweating to be honest (laughs) (laughs) pretty warm over in Hong Kong I expect massively yeah just um, had a typhoon as well so I'm quite glad that I missed out on that last one Gosh, yeah, absolutely. So um, do you want to tell us a little bit about how you, uh, about your work in general uh, and what it is that you you tend to focus on with your analogue photography? Sure. Um, I have quite a collection of cameras. Um, so I use, I try to use a different camera for every project. I quite like, I think it was Tim Smith who said that each project should have a voice, whether that's a shout or a whisper. Mm. And, you know, it's something that's designed as a machine. I feel like each one has, has its own voice. So Different personality, you mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, and when I'm visualising something, I find it really useful to have 
something that's kind of built to do what I want to do. But I prefer the quirky ones, I think. The weirder so, the better. <laughs> the weirder the better, yeah. So I've um, one of my older projects, Views of a Mountain. Um, I'm more interested in this idea of making things. So it's built on sculptures that I make of these mountains. Um, but to do that, I found uh, an old dental camera, uh, Yashka Dental I3, I think it was called, which was built just for photographing teeth. And it was perfect. So I quite like hunting out strange little things to photograph strange little things. Photographing teeth. <laughs> yeah. I've, ne I've never heard of a camera that's made well apart from i suppose i go to my dentist and he sticks a camera in my mouth but that's like a digital thing isn't it i've never heard of an analog uh camera for 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 photographing teeth it, it'll be from the um uh, the medical uh side of things so um uh, x-rays and and what have you that was all there were all ways of of uh, creating photographs of you know inside of bodies obviously and uh, teeth and, and what have you as well so um there are quite a few of these around. My dad was actually a medical photographer for quite a while, and uh, he uh, he's got an old tank where you put your hands in, and basically that's kind of like your red box kind of thing. So I haven't actually seen a, a dental camera before, um, but I know that obviously they exist, and that there's these um, sort of portable tanks that you could take around. I don't think the red's quite the same red as um as we would normally use in the dark room uh, so i think the different papers have different reactions to it because it's not it's not quite the same red normally used is that right declan is that is that something you came across did you find that um you had to have a different type of sensitivity paper or film to use it no um it's that orthopedic paper oh no not <laughs> orthopedic that's feet isn't it um no it's like a, a standard it's like a standard slr you can't put you can't put but you can't put film for feet in a in a camera for teeth. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, it's like a hundred millimeter lens, but it doesn't focus further than three feet away. So it's made the lens is uh, made just for photographing teeth. So it's like a big telephoto, but it can't focus more than well, how you'd expect a telephoto to work at all. Gosh. So it's just super macro, and that's it. Where did you? Well, it'd be great for the cheap shots challenge, wouldn't it, Aid? Yeah, uh, would it? I, I don't. Well, it depends on how much it cost, I guess. But it's <laughs> macro. If, yeah. it, if we can shoot some macro, I just need something that I could use. Oh uh, well, yes, yes. So, I uh, yeah, this is uh, th this is intri I'm intrigued. Um, and uh, I've this this is a uh, a camera I've never heard of. So that yeah. So uh, what what drew you to this camera then? Well, I was photographing pieces of quartz. Um, and I knew that I wanted uh, a lot of the subject in focus. So I was playing around with pinholes and uh, converting uh, SLRs into pinholes to see if a smaller aperture would you know, allow me to have a really, really macro image, but with the depth that I needed for it to look like a mountain. Um, so... I was researching, researching, researching online, um, and I came across this this dental camera. And I thought that's perfect. It's you know it's for made for small white things. It's exactly what I need. <laughs> so it was more stumbling across really than anything else. But yeah, I collect uh, 
tons of underwater cameras and stuff as well, which are quite fun. Uh, a, do you have some water, underwater cameras, don't you? I don't actually have any in my collection. Um, it, it, was that for a specific project as well, Declan, that you, you uh, went for the underwater camera? Yeah, I'm, uh, it's, it's not done yet, but I wanted to, to make a series on rock pools. Um, I didn't fancy risking my, some of my more expensive equipment. So it's only a point and shoot. Uh, it's one of the early Canon sure shots. It's it's a grey with a really cool red ring around it. Oh, I think I think Graham has one of those actually. Um, yeah, he's he's talked about it before, taking it to the beach and and splashing around and taking photos of his kids and stuff. He really likes it. It's really good. It's it's got a glass lens for, for a compact from like the eighties. You don't really expect that. No, possibly, possibly not, possibly not. So, so which one of your projects have you been using that one for then? For the underwater stuff, um, it's one that I've got coming up. Although I did use it for splinters, actually, one of my older projects, uh, two thousand fifteen, I think I made that one. Um, but I use I use a real mishmash. So sometimes a compact is. It's a lot better in certain situations where you need to be a bit stealthier. Yes, I can, I can imagine. Because I think the question that's going through my mind now is that you know, what what yeah, if you have now at a point you you have a collection of cameras and you've got a new idea for a project, a piece of work. Um, what's your uh, how do you choose which which camera to use? What is is there a process? Is it is it a feeling? Is it is it a whim? <laughs> I mean, it's it's similar to it's similar to choosing to use film in the first place. You choose it because it's this physical thing that feels a bit more lovely than digital. It's a bit less throwaway. Um, so yeah, I suppose it is a good feeling, unless it's like a specific thing I need, like the the macro or the underwater stuff. Um, so. Yeah, a lot of it is is how it feels to to hold. It's it's quite a yeah, quite a lovely little little feeling when you've got like a, a specified tool for a job. Yeah, you you also have a very um, specific style, I think, Declan. From what I've seen of your work, it um, it errs towards the overexposed um, uh, and occasionally underexposed as well. And I just wondered if you could maybe tell us a little bit about why you've chosen to approach your work in that way. Well, I'm glad someone noticed. <laughs> um, <laughs> of course. I, so most of my projects, uh, it's about looking into uh, the human condition and memory and these these fragile things. I like uh, a thinner transparency because it has this this feeling of fragility to it. Um, and by overexposing and introducing less contrast, um, there's what appears to be a, a fog between the myself and the subject. Um, I'm quite interested in, you know, the unless you're using a rangefinder, the once you take a picture, the shutter goes black, so you don't actually see what you're photographing. Um, I'm interested in this this space between the photographer and the subject. I like introducing this idea of fog between. Mm. 
I, I saw on your Instagram actually one that very clearly demonstrates that, which is, uh, I think you put cutting the night short at seven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's all up for grabs now. <laughs> um, but that is very much it's it's shadows, it's silhouettes, but it's through the fog. And uh, and I don't know whether that was a specific part of your shooting in in Hong Kong and it, whether that was some a particular reason why you ended up going there. Was it specifically because you thought this might be an environment where that would work for you how did how did that come about um well hong kong um it is it is quite foggy now and again with the humidity um so especially if you get onto to higher places in the mountains and stuff it's always fog um i used that in one of my most recent projects points in space which was yeah the fog there was perfect but um, that was the one you're talking about. That particular image was shot in a in a nightclub where they were using smoke machines. <laughs> so it's <laughs> a bit less natural. Uh, but it was the closing down. It was the closing down of the of the um, club, and it's been a, a massive standard in Hong Kong for ages. So I was there on the the last night before it was you know changing locations. Um, I luckily had a, a compact on me and just, you know, you can just pull it out. No one, everyone looks your way when you pull out this big DSLR or SLR with like a lens attached to it. I'm getting more and more into compacts because, again, it takes you away from, um, it takes you away from the subject. So you can, you can observe more freely, I think. Mm. Not looking straight, straight at it in a pinpoint idea. I like that. I've just recently bought my first ever compact, actually, uh, mostly because Graham hassled me to do it. And I, I've been carrying it around and it it, it is quite discreet. Um, it's uh, I, I haven't quite got completely comfortable with it yet. Um, it, but uh, the first roll or two I put, I've had through it have turned out OK. And uh, yeah, nothing, nothing of any great consequence in terms of photography. But <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll try and learn the camera first. But yeah, uh, it's uh, there. Yeah, it's it's. There's a. It kind of frees you up, not just the taking of photography, but I think you you have it on you more often as well. I think definitely, and you don't feel as you don't feel like you're you're um, you know in the way. You don't feel like you're you know barging in with this big thing. It's you know you can slip it out of a pocket, take it, put it back in your pocket. You know it's not. I think when you take a picture, you you have to stop doing something to take an image of it. Whereas with a compact, it's that that lapse in time is it's a lot shorter. Yeah, yeah, I can I can see that, and and I, I, it's um, although not my mine requires a little bit of setup because it's got zone focusing and stuff like that. But it's, oh wow, <laughs> which which camera is it? Uh, it's the the Minox thirty five uh i bought well, one of the, the many hundreds of variations of that so it's it has a little door on the front that flaps down and then you have to set the focus ah, uh, yeah. and you set the aperture and then it'll shoot in aperture priority so it's a, it's a nice little thing actually it's a, it's easy enough to use but i haven't quite got really super speedy with it yet oh yeah they it has a couple of extra sort of odd things to it as well because it's so small you have to do a kind of like a double wind to get it to the next frame and things like that and um i'm not sure who it was was saying um that the shutter is a bit weird in, in that it's very gentle um i don't know do you have one of these cameras as well declan 
it's very I've, much I've not, almost I've, like a little spy camera <laughs> yeah I've, I've not got one of the flip flippy down door ones um yeah so I've, like I've got i've got a few i've got a few uh like clamshell ones where it slides across and stuff but i'm always where i take a compact i'm always quite scared of you know the the if a flappy outdoor can fold out it might fall off you know I'm not <laughs> <laughs> I, I like my I like them to be a bit sturdy and a bit you know if you drop them it's okay if you okay. go out you can go out in the rain in them and stuff sure sure um so um perhaps could you tell us a little bit about how you ended up getting started in analog because obviously you know um do you mind me asking how old you are Declan sorry <laughs> I'm 23 Okay, yes. so uh, early 20s. So it's just interesting, I think, for myself and perhaps for some of the listeners to find out about what it is that's drawing people in the, you know, late teens, early 20s to analogue photography and how you ended up getting into it in the first place. Because I think, as you said, the vast majority of your projects are, are shot on analogue. And I think there was just one that Aid picked up on, which was the digital one. <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, the sorry about that. It's all right. Um, but the others are all analogue. And I just uh, find it very interesting that that's the way that you've gone. Um, so maybe you could tell us a little bit about how you've ended up getting to that point. Um, it was... Like I said, I was... So I was, I'm focusing on ideas of memory. Again, I, I quite like to match up machine and idea. So it makes sense to have, have a, a nostalgic feel straight away. Mm-hmm. You, you can use film, but I think... Away from that, most, uh, I mean, I think I feel comfortable saying most contemporary photographers my age use a lot of film. Um, it's made a massive comeback. There's there's a certain atmosphere to it that is intimate. I think you people have got people have gotten used to seeing the perfect photoshopped image to the point where it doesn't trick them anymore. It's it's just easy to look at. Whereas if you if you see something that makes you think, why is that like that? If it's something a little less seen, um, you know, if there's still a, a piece of dust on it or something, it's just something that catches your eye. It might be the grain. It might be a, a straight, an, more of an odd color cra- color cast. It might be uh, particular flares or something. Um, I feel like older techniques are massively popular now. Just because, yeah, it has this, it has this, uh, this feeling that digital just can't, can't quite get. So, did you, did you go to uh, college and university? Did you, how did you learn about analog in the first place? I just wondered. Well, my first, my first one, my first analog camera uh, was my dad's, and I was on holiday picture taking duty at the age of seven, um, <laughs> <laughs> but. I'm not sure if that counts. Um, <laughs> my, first, my first real one um, probably was at college. It was the first um, little darkroom that we had. It was um, like a, a cupboard. So, And there weren't really too many people who knew how to work it. It's been there since like the beginning of college. <laughs> um, I was just started a photography course. I was wanting to learn more about it. I was less interested in photoshop and more interesting how can liquid make a picture um so i bundled into this cupboard and sort of just tried it out myself um i got a, a 
Canon 100, EOS 100, I think, which is really yeah. cheap, but pretty cool because it could take all the same lenses yeah. as my digital camera. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I got into it just through being a bit bored of digital, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, it stuck with me. And then you ended up um, working for the gallery as well, I believe, or volunteering there and, and what have you. You seem to be generally very um, sort of proactive in getting out there and, and immersing yourself in the photographic world, shall we say. Yeah, I'm interested in, uh, I'm interested in conversation around photography. So I'm interested in uh, how people can understand, like, why would you take a picture? Why would you see something and recognise it as important or recognize it as a metaphor for something that you want to say so most of those conversations are in museums they're in galleries they're in like photography clubs and stuff um so yeah i i try to get there as much as i can um when i finished university i lacked that um when i came back back up north um i didn't have too many friends who were into photography mm. or, or art at all really so I started volunteering at Open Eye Gallery which was amazing because immediately it was oh here they all are you know <laughs> um, and then I got you know I, you, people like yourselves were coming along with workshops introducing people to analog techniques and to photography in general and it was yeah it was it was an amazing place to be really um, so so um, for somebody who's perhaps not, because looking at your website at Declan, I've seen that you've obviously had quite a few exhibitions and at the grand old age of 23, <laughs> I, I don't think I'd had any. <laughs> so um, it's uh, it's really interesting to to kind of like find out a little bit more about how, how that came about and um, perhaps our listeners, you know, maybe they've always held a secret sort of desire to do a, an exhibition or have their work shown in a gallery or put out there, but perhaps don't know how to go about doing it. Is there some way that you could, uh, you know, could you tell us maybe what your advice would be? Um, I think what I would, I would say to myself and have to tell myself quite often, um, the amount of shows I haven't had, uh, the amount of shows I've had isn't a lot. Um, it's much more impressive the amount of places that I've applied to and not heard back from. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, it's to be, again, it's being proactive and thinking, okay, I, I really want to do this, you know. Um, I want to see this image amongst other people's work and seeing that conversation again um but some of the the features and stuff that i've had um have literally come from emailing the people sort of tracking down <laughs> tracking down the the editor or whoever and getting in touch with people that i i like and thinking just saying i really like what you're doing you know if yeah i'd, I'd like to be involved in some way and sometimes they've come back and said well we like what you're doing um i think it's just a, a mutual feeling of yeah I, I i i enjoy this and why why shouldn't i contact them the worst they can do is not reply and 
that's not that's even it. stepping backwards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It took me a while to uh, to to get over the oh no nobody's getting back to me or whatever. But yeah, if you don't if you don't ask, you don't get. <laughs> Very true, very true in life. And um, so, um, Declan, what what's next for you as a as a photographer? I'm, I'm assuming you you know you're working as a as full time photographer now. And and uh, what's what's next on the uh, on the journey for you? Um, well, I'm applying for residencies and um, yeah, applying for residencies basically. Um, but I've got a few few features coming up and projects, so. I've I've only been back from Hong Kong for two weeks, I think. Oh. So it's it's more I'm I'm settling back into the groove, um, and yeah, contacting people really. I'm planning on making my own magazine soon. Um, Whip magazine should be coming out uh, this year, hopefully. <laughs> um, so is I'll all, be. Is that all analog? Um, yeah. I'd like it to be analog, um, either analog or uh, very overtly digital. I don't want things to be digital for the sake of being dig- just because it's digital. I want it to be referencing the medium. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd, I'd prefer it to be analog, yeah, because I want it to be a print-based thing. With it being print-based, I, I like the idea of the the idea of analog going straight back to the source. That would be awesome. Earlier in the year, uh, Graham and I notionally christened this year 27 Zine, and we do have yeah. a, a, a latent and completely uh, unrealised ambition to publish some sort of zine associated with the podcast at some point this year. And cle- <laughs> cle- clearly, a zine is is nothing like a regularly published magazine. <laughs> <laughs> but but the the idea yeah uh, the uh, the idea of, of launching a, a a new print magazine focused on analog photography um, uh, that that sounds awesome yeah, yeah um, I think there are, there's oh I think they're called accidental zine which is a, a really interesting uh, magazine um, that focus on things that go wrong with analog photography. So it's all light leaks and overlapping frames and completely underexposed, but it's it's celebrating sort of the the beauty of the mistake. And, uh, yeah, yeah I'd check it that. out. It's oh, quite right. fun, and they take submissions as well. Uh, is that, okay, all right, that's interesting. Is that? Uh, yeah, I've just had a quick Google of that. It looks like there's a Tumblr of it. Mm, very good. Well, as I'm always making mistakes, you know, I've got a wealth of uh, pictures that they can have, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't think that would be too hard for me to fill up a, a whole season of uh, zines, perhaps. What was that one called again, Declan? Sorry. Accidental zine. Accidental zine. I like that. And yours is going to be called? Whip. And when so when are you publishing your first issue? Um, it's still in the works at the moment. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm working towards it. Okay, is, is uh is is whip there with an h or without an h just as well. without an h without so an it's h. uh work in progress work in progress yeah, oh, well, yeah very good <laughs> you're not not, Thanks, go, not going for that that such a niche market just with your first publication then <laughs> <laughs> well hopefully not Uh, 
Uh, no, I'm more interested in the, the unfinished projects. So I'm more interested in the idea and the images that, that won't make it. So when you when you start a series, um, originally it's the it's the written idea that's sort of like a, a manifesto, and then those first ten images or so that you that you create that are emblematic of this you raw thing, um, you feel really passionately about. Of course you do, but you also understand that no way are these the finished things, and you know they they won't exist. So. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in these images that um, stand for the whole concept, but will ultimately sort of be replaced. Mm. See, that's, that sounds really interesting because there was now I'm, I'm going to get the name wrong, but there's, there's a uh, and probably the decade wrong. But there's a, a famous photographer from I don't know, the 50s and 60s who published a book which was the shots le- on the roll leading up to the famous shot. And I want to say it was somebody like Elliot Erwitt, but I've probably got that completely wrong. Um, and the idea behind this you know, published um, hardback book was that it took a, uh, one, one of that particular photographer's really iconic photos and showed the rest of the roll that was around it. So all 12, ex- yeah. all 12 exposures um, were, pu- yeah, were published in this book, you know, um, sort of, uh yeah there would be chronological i was just going to say in running order but it would be chronologically wouldn't it uh and and then you know, you'd get a full page spread for the really famous one and you'd get some before it and some after it and things like that so uh, uh that yeah so sort of celebrating i suppose in some ways what you've just been talking about definitely um yeah. and that's that's it i mean you can't delete an image you can't you can't delete an analog image unless you physically tear it up or throw it in the bin you know, they exist as sort of lead-ups to that iconic image. I think William Klein has an exhibition in 2014 where he was showing the the contact the the contact sheet with the the circled image that was used on Vogue or whatever, and all the ones sort of crossed out in um, acrylic uh, before and after. So it gives you a gives you an idea into how people work. You know, people don't get the shot in one. Mm. Yeah, and I think Rinko... it's the process isn't it it's the whole process it's that you know before and after and and also whether you feel that you've got that shot or is it only that you realize you've got the shot afterwards you know after you've finished it all and then you go back and go oh yeah it was shot number six and I you know and I didn't realize I got it I always find that really fascinating um the whole process around it yeah um and like you said I mean you can because you you're viewing them right next to each other on the on the contact sheet, it's often the accidental ones that surprise you and you think, oh wow, you know, it's, <laughs> that's the one, you know. Um, whereas if you make that mistake on digital, you don't even think about it; you just delete it straight away. So mm. edit edit on the go. Yeah, I, I see what you mean about that actually, because I do that. I don't, uh, I don't tend to get contact sheets, but uh, I do. I have a similar process that works in Lightroom when I get the scans back, and you can sit and look at them for a while, you know, all, all together, thumbnails on the screen, and you can, yeah, you know, and and see which ones feel good and which ones feel less good and stuff like that. It's a, uh, it's it's an interesting process that goes through my head anyway, just to try and think of stuff. Sometimes I leave things for days on purpose and, and then come mm. back to them and see which ones stick, as it were. Yeah, yeah. I used to, uh, I used to 
have hundreds of images for for a project um sort of all the variations and pin them to my bedroom wall and have like a whole thing it's like which ones can i live with for a week which ones sort of won't annoy me to look at after a week (laughs) (laughs) i like that idea that that's really good um yeah it is it's about um you know actually am i am i just learning to live with it or is that a comfort level or is that you know is it better that it makes me go oh you know every time i walk into the room and see it you know or or actually is it better that like it becomes part of the furniture and it's it's just sort of there um and it's it's interesting when you've left it a little while you know and other things have happened in life and you know maybe even if it's months or years later and you come back to your negatives and you see them again and you just think you know, you feel completely different about it at that point. Um, I find that's always really very interesting. So any any of your projects that you'd particularly like to highlight or any that you feel, uh, you know, were your real kind of like best work so far? Is there anything like that that you'd like to uh, to bring up? Um, well, my most recent one's digital, so I'll leave that out. Um, <laughs> but uh, Views of a Mountain was the one that I was making with the dental camera. Um I think that's, yeah, that's 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 the that's the one I I usually show to people as like more of what I'm into. So it's it's again it's it's less about how the actual image looks and more about again understanding that metaphor and thinking you know have I have I have I nailed it in this picture? Um, I think you nailed it. I'm looking at that piece of work right now on your website, and um, uh, the the concept has has been realised, you know, extraordinarily. I mean, you know, the, the, they do look like a whiteout in the mountains. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> but I mean, it's I, I'm I've still I've I've still got that camera, and it's sort of interchangeable. I don't really want to take anything else on it because. <laughs> you know it's that that's almost part of the project i get quite attached to them maybe that's why i've got so many (laughs) maybe 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 you have uh, your exhibition of the prints with the camera that took it took them next to it and that's kind of actually part of the sculpture of that particular exhibition as well that was quite a nice idea i think i'd like i always like that i like to see the workings behind that's why i like the processes and and sort of seeing especially something that's as weird and wonderful as a dental camera that i did you know we didn't even know about i think that would be that'd be fantastic so you should have that you know next to it so that people can can see as well yeah maybe that sounds really cool actually Mm. because i always get super geeky about what people are using and you know i uh, i feel like that's just as important that says just as much about the photographer as as the image to be honest mm. um i mean you've seen you see the old guys running around with you know likers and you see the uh younger people who are getting into just getting into analog photography with like their uh om4s and stuff um it's I don't know. Each there's there's almost a, a really strange hierarchy. Whereas the older it gets, the better it appears to be. <laughs> um, it's really interesting that digital technology is trying to reproduce these like film effects and stuff. So like um, the idea of a, a full frame camera being you know thirty five millimeters. Um, 
I think it's quite interesting how, you know, these revolutionary machines uh, are only getting better by by looking back at pretty much outdated uh, machines. You know, mm. that are degrading. So is it is it kind of like uh, trying to preserve these in almost like a different body or yeah i find it i find it quite interesting looking at the the newer trends and seeing the the influences of much older things before them i i agree with that actually it's it's um the the i was i saw uh a twitter feed uh twitter post whatever we call it a conversation that's the word i was grasping for and failing to get <laughs> It's a thread. Oh. Yeah, 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 a thread. Thank yeah, that see, this is this is why, you know, we're this is teamwork in action, this is. So yeah, this Twitter thread I saw the other day, which was asking, you know, does am I the only one who didn't who doesn't want a liker? And and I haven't replied to it actually, but um, I I've I've never wanted a liker, actually. <laughs> and, no. but I, and I'm always I'm always reminding myself when I shoot my 35 mil cameras that uh, in Germany they call that small format. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and and I yeah, and yet digitally, I mean, I guess partly because of the cost of manufacturing, but digitally it seems to be you know extremely aspirational, doesn't it? And um yeah i was quite intrigued when uh fuji recently because i shoot fuji digital cameras so i was quite intrigued when fuji recently you know decided oh they're going to skip that and go straight back up to what they call medium format which um isn't isn't as big as a 645 so it's not even as big as the smallest of what i would consider a medium format um but you know they they've taken yeah they've, they've chosen to do something different which i think is is really interesting um and it's it's nice that it's, it's, so it's nice. It, I think it's healthy that other people are doing that. And and yes, okay, all the sensors are made by Sony for practically every camera in the world these days and stuff like that. So that levels the playing field a bit. Um, but I like having different formats to shoot. I mean, I've just finished a roll in a Yashica one, uh, a TLR today. Uh, so that'll be six by six. Um, and I'm near the end of the roll in my Reality So Subtle. Uh, so that'll be a six by 12. Uh, pretty sure I got a 35 mil. I'm near the end of somewhere as well, so that lot will get packed off to the lab this week. And uh, I like having all of those different formats, and that's just normal stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I like being in between them as well. So, sort of, you're shooting on, um, sort of, you're, you you spend a couple of days with the 35 mil, then you go to 120, then you go to, you know, maybe do some pinhole stuff, and you kind of forget which one was which. Um, not in terms of you know actual film size, but you forget which what things you photographed on which one. So when you get when you're getting them developed, you're like, oh thank God that was like actually large format. <laughs> or it's like, oh no, I've just done it in thirty five mil. You know, it's I don't know. I think there's there's it's it's quite interesting when you're when you're developing something like weeks or months after that you've shot it. Because it's it's instantly nostalgic. You can't not like the pictures because you've you've almost forgotten what you did already. So is that a constraint then? Because that sounds to me because so because there's this whole thing, and we, we Graham and I have had this conversation on the show before about some of these things that we do as 
so-called artistic constraints to to promote our creativity actually there's a risk they become a crutch so yo do i did i spend all of the summer of 2016 shooting a holger just to get that nostalgic look and 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 is that a crutch or as actually is that you know is it okay to do that and and to focus on one thing i don't know do you have any views on that at all because i'm not sure we ever came to a conclusion on that (laughs) (laughs) well i i went on i went to Rhodes on holiday and i i thought okay i don't want to be photographing i don't want to be you know kneeling down and getting the perfect shot i just want you know standard images i don't want to be worried if i worried if i'm dropping my camera or whatever and in the end i brought a lamography golden half um and some poundland film and i think they're some of the favorite pictures i've had of a holiday just because it was it was it was a lot more fun to shoot because it was just a click wind and it was sort of completely away from you know aperture shot speed iso all that um that takes you out of that moment um i think when it's i think i quite like the idea of uh, something that can look a bit funky or whatever if it's if it's like a, a light-hearted thing anyway I think that could be quite nice. I think it's only it's only the same as putting a filter on Instagram, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and that's I think in some ways where we got to with that conversation because, uh, but you know, are you better than Instagram because you're doing it for real? <laughs> well, the, the, you do feel a bit of that um, authority when you've got like, well, I've got actual negatives. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're but... sort of like keeping them around in people's faces. Look. I've got real negatives here. <laughs> it's, it's it's almost uh, a lot of people say it's like a almost like a little badge, you know, <laughs> like this is because it takes a lot more effort. So of course the image is going to be more valuable because even if it was on like uh, a Lomography camera that was you know just pointing pointing click, you know it's it's had more time to I don't know become what it is. You know, and, and if if you can tell that just by looking at it, then it's going to be more valuable than like a snap on your phone. That's interesting. Um, that that's interesting because you know, is it? I don't mm-hmm. know. You know, uh, it, it, I, I try and be nice to our guests when we have guests on the show, <laughs> but but with with the utmost respect, I'm not sure that I agree with that because uh, I, 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 I'm I'm on Declan's side. I I think I think it it it, it automatically gives it a bit more bit more value because there's been a bit more time spent on it thinking about it perhaps you know taking a couple of steps to the left or to the right before you press that shutter um whereas you might take four or five shots you know on your phone just to get that one in between so that i I, that i can get behind actually so so and and i know this 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 happens to me personally so i i totally understand that in that I take photo. I take better photographs with film cameras, and it doesn't matter if mm. I've got. You could give me all the film in the world, right? And so that, <laughs> that 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 wasn't a constraint or anything like that. But something about, I guess, you know, whether whether um, unconsciously it's about being a scarce resource. I don't know. Um, I don't think so. I think whether it's something about. Um, the cameras being so much more straightforward, you, you you can really focus and get into. I can get into a sort of mental zone where I'm focusing on the shot itself rather than 
pressing lots of buttons on my camera. But I do mm. end up taking better shots with film cameras. Sure. <coughs> I was I was more um they're more valuable, not not just in terms of like how they look, but you know, if you if you want to take a picture of something, it's usually because you want to remember it. It's because you, you want to celebrate that time and look back at it. So if you're sort of divorced from that image for a week or two, then there's an excitement to to see whether you've got it or whether you haven't or, you know, the fact that it's just there in general. Mm. Um, whereas when you take a picture on your phone or whatever or on a digital camera, you can you can look at it straight away. I think the the time that it takes that that space between you know the actual event and and looking at the image builds up like a not a hype but it, it builds up a sense of these are going to be great these are going to be great so <laughs> you're either totally disappointed or just like yes <laughs> you're to- perfect you're totally wandering into dangerous territory here did you listen to last week's show because there was, a seg- there was a segment on last week's show about phone apps that don't let you see your pictures for days. <laughs> yeah. So I found these two apps. That I thought I'll, I'll bring these up, and Graham was, shall we say, unimpressed, skeptical. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I think it's you can tell when something's being imitated. And the fact that it is digital and you know that it's on your phone, you know it's the software holding you back, not the actual what it's made of. I know it's made of software, but, you know, mm. you know that that's a limitation that's placed on. Whereas if you choose to shoot with film, it's you've already you've yes, you've chosen to do it with film, but you're not choosing that it has to take a week or, you know, however long. That's just part of the process. You know, it's not downloading two different apps and you know i'll choose to wait a bit longer in case you know it makes me feel better about it yeah ultimately i have to agree with you totally because i i don't know that i have the words to describe it properly but it does feel better uh you know to me when i you know uh not not because not necessarily because of the weight although that's part of it but it just feel i i enjoy shooting film i could never write one of those uh those interviews on m's website the this is you know i'm aid and this is why i shoot film the 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 series that m does on emulsive.org um, I don't think I could. Dis- I don't think I could put it into words. It, or if I did, it would be about three words. It'd just be I enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy it, and I take better photos that way. That's why I shoot film. So sorry, no, Em. Not that. Not that. Not, not that Em's ever actually asked me to write, but maybe he knows that. I, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm better talking. Wink, wink? Yeah. yeah, maybe he knows that I'm better talking crap on the internet than I am writing on the internet. Because, <laughs> but. <laughs> but i'm not sure that i could do it and i'm always you know in awe and envious of people who put that much thought into it the 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 thought you know that the uh, a, a real artist can think of the concept of a project and can find creative ways of expressing themselves to create a coherent and cohesive body of work. And I'm looking at some on your website right now, Deck. You know, um, I, 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 I appreciate it, but I, I, there's no way I could actually do something like that. I don't think. So, I mean, well done, and keep going. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you very, very much. 
No, I, 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 I enjoy writing. Um, and that's sort of half of what I do. That's the first thing I do. So it's more like uh, uh, like a, the spark of an idea and then sort of translating that into words. Sort of the images come sort of to, to give those words an actual form. Because uh, otherwise it's completely abstract. Um, like if I say, yeah, I, I want to, I want to, you know, for, for the for the mountain series, I want to collect some quartz from the top of the mountain, carve it into Snowden, and then bring it back up to the top, and and that's it. It's like, well, how how are you actually going to how are you actually going to show that? So, <laughs> you know, and and is is just evidence of it happening enough? Does it not have to? I don't know. For me, particularly, uh, an idea has to have like a a visual form for me to properly understand it. So okay. if I've written it, it's, <laughs> it's not even clear in my head. Yeah, I, like, I like how you, you put on your about, um, it's just like two lines and it says, I'm interested in building narratives around small fictions, exploring notions of myth and the nomad, how these can be used to illustrate larger, more complex stories. And I really like how that, you get a sense of where you're going with that and then you see your work in series and you go oh okay yeah that makes sense there's there is a narrative thread there is some story there behind it that you've clearly evidenced or documented through through what you've done visually hmm. i mean i I'm, I'm trying to move away so i've started doing some some single works um i'm trying to move away from the idea of a series um i'm not sure if it's a habit so you know you you take the pictures you think you know you want to see what happened before and what happened next you want to see a story um because that's 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 what words and images do they they portray a, a, a story so then you publish it on a website or print it in a book or whatever and yeah it's this series this sort of Photography seems to exist in a multiple format. Uh, outside of news reportage, it seems like you have to have, you know, 20 or so images for it to be a work, um, which you don't have with painting or poetry or sort of any uh, other art forms. It's, I think it's, it's, quite, it's quite interesting. Um, I'm not quite sure why that is to be honest that's a really In, good point <laughs> yeah i suppose um my, my kind of like reference point to that would be music in the you know having a track as a single track or as part of an album and how that yeah. you know fits either within an album and especially when um Originally, you know, music would be created for, let's say, a vinyl album. So it would be played in a particular order and your track listing would be a very specific um, choice by the artist. Um, whereas now, obviously, when we've got, you know, shuffle and we, we, you know, we listen to music in, you know, non-chronological order, I suppose, or not as it was originally potentially planned and how a different how different a story that is from what we get from it when we listen to it. So I suppose you know looking at that in terms of photography and and how how that 
you know works if you take one image out of a series as opposed to it being just as a standalone is is quite interesting i've um i've i've never really been one to kind of like work on series uh, I, I guess i was never really quite sure how to go about doing that mine always seemed to just be singular works you know there'd just be something that i saw and i thought well that's really good and you know as a as a an image i'll take this particular camera to go and capture it but it was never as a as part of a series really um so that's something that i'd like to explore and get better at um and it sounds like declan you're coming from the opposite direction and you're saying <laughs> okay, well, i've done i've done my series i've done all of them and now i want to concentrate on uh, sing- singular pieces so uh, yeah interesting how these journeys take us <laughs> yeah we we should uh, swap ideas <laughs> we'll meet in the middle <laughs> Cool. You should do a joint project. It sounds like an artistic collaboration to try and meet in the middle. There you go. Yes. So this this is um, yeah fantastic, uh, Declan. Declan, thank you for for coming on the show. Um, yeah, I what have I learned? I've learned that we should send our listeners to your website, uh, DeclanConnolly.co.uk, to look at the uh, the views of a mountain. Uh, work which uh, is, I, I think is fantastic um, uh, I think uh, I'm, I've learned from talking to you that the, some of the concepts and things that you come up with uh, are um, uh, way beyond me and I've also learned that you're going to launch <laughs> a print no a way beyond me to recreate not to understand <laughs> <laughs> sorry that came yeah, alright 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 I'll keep, I'll keep moving <laughs> pretend that bit didn't happen right and uh, I am really looking forward to seeing how you take on uh, the publication of a print magazine based around analog photography and uh, please um uh, it'd be great if you could come back on the show uh, when you've got that ready to launch and uh, then we can make sure that all our listeners are aware of it. Well, that'd be amazing. That'd be really helpful. Thank you very much. Uh, no problem. So we shall take a quick break, uh, but please stay with us for the rest of the show and uh, we will have uh, some more of our normal photography chat. Fantastic. Right, okay, um, back to the real world after that trip into something that's really quite highbrow and artistic. So, um, Rach, I understand you've been shooting some expired film this week. Not yet, I haven't aid. However, I won a pack, uh, a four-pack of expired Kodak Ultra Max 400. Um, It was from the Imaginorium is how I think it's pronounced. Um, Basically, they ran an Instagram competition after getting to a certain uh, number of followers. And um, they seem super lovely. I've been following them for quite a while. Um, And they sell analog cameras. And uh, basically, I saw that they were doing a little competition, which was saying, we've got some old um, expired film. We've got some disposable cameras. And basically, send us a a message telling us how you're shoot it or you know what you'll do with it um so i um went back to them and said oh actually um we're doing this thing called cheap shots challenge and that would be brilliant it would be perfect for that um and uh, i also said that i'd donate a role to uh, kieran uh, who had been on my workshop and has since um, um bought his first slr camera so i was excited to to send him over a, a role of expired film as well so i've won it but i don't yet have it i believe they're over in america somewhere oh, <laughs> so it might take a little while to get 
it'll be more expired by the time it gets to me perhaps <laughs> um, so, uh, so we'll see so yeah but that was that was a lovely thing because I obviously don't win things very often so it was a nice uh, uh, a nice thing to happen and that was um I should give him a little shout out um I know we're not at that section yet but uh, just to say thank you very much it was at the imaginorium on okay. instagram and on twitter i think um so yes yeah, so uh, so that was what i've been up to um i also saw a post on fa- that came up on my facebook feed um which was from a local antique shop in town uh, saying that they had a big stock of vintage cameras that had suddenly arrived and i thought oh i'm gonna have to go and have a look and see what's there um I ended up having to walk absolute miles from one side of the town to the other because I was also there for a different um, meeting and what have you. And it threw it down. We had like a thunderstorm in the middle of my walking through town. So it was miles. It was uphill. It was through a thunderstorm. I finally got there, um, realised I couldn't afford anything that they had in the shop. Oh, no. I know, I know. I was determined not to come away without anything. So I I did actually find, uh, hidden at the back, um, it's an old Agfa um folder um but it takes 120 which i don't have i don't actually have a folder a bellows um folder with that takes 120 all the ones i've had previously have only taken things like 620 or 616 or what have you so it's sort of faffing around trying to cram film in and respool and things so um i realized that you know maybe it was time to have an easy life and (laughs) and get one that actually takes 120 film (laughs) so uh so yeah so i I remember getting my first medium format camera i think it must have been a diana and i was scared stiff of 120 film (laughs) i was like how on earth (laughs) do i do but it's got no canister and it's just going to fall off the spool and 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 oh i'm scared (laughs) you're choosing it for an easy life um yeah i am i am now um and uh yeah so it's the agfa prontor 2 and uh yeah it's got quite a nice little bit of silver on it looks quite go on the top and on the side um couldn't open the bloody back sorry sorry uh couldn't open the back um so that took about half an hour to try and figure out you know because i tested all the shutter speeds everything above one second is fine one second does not (laughs) work (laughs) at all um it kind of just does its own thing Uh, but all the others seem to work fine um but i couldn't get into the flipping thing that took half an hour's worth worth of sort of poking and prodding and and what have you but finally managed to prise the back open and now i know how to do it we're all okay it's it's fine i can actually shut it and open it as I I need to now, thankfully. Uh, So I did actually come home with that. I was very happy uh, that I ended up with that. Um, The meeting that I'd actually gone into town to have was uh, popping into the Open Eye Gallery and um, hence the conversation about Declan, um, which happened without his knowledge. um but uh but the the lady i spoke to charlotte said i'm pretty sure declan will be up for up for um a, a guest spot on the podcast so that's really nice and they've actually asked us aid um as uh, sunny 16 um to write a feature blog for them at some point so hopefully we'll be collaborating with them on that um i know that you mentioned just before how little you enjoy writing <laughs> so uh maybe it'll be me <laughs> it's not it's not how little i enjoy it it's just i some i struggle with stuff to say my bro, my brain tends to work in a fairly binary way so <laughs> i'm not very nuanced that's fine between between the three of us i'm sure we will uh, come up with something so when graham gets back that'll be on his to-do list for him <laughs> there we go 
that's my news this week good <laughs> stuff so i suppose you mentioned you mentioned graham we should uh should say i got a note from him today or a message or something that said he's been on log flumes and roller coasters today so um he's clearly um yeah having a day off of some sort <laughs> yeah absolutely well uh, yeah so uh, well, and what have you been up to aid go on tell us your news oh i don't know so so uh, i guess the amusing mental image i can i can craft here verbally is uh i i tried to do some stuff for the cheap shots challenge this week um and uh, uh so i got out my little camera and i got out a spare lens and reversed that because the theme is macro so you know uh, i'm using a, a reverse lens on the front of my camera to get some, some macro stuff and uh, there was um, some flowers in our garden that had some bumblebees on them. Proper, you know, the really big furry bumblebees that, that look great in oh. photographs. Um, so picture, if you will, uh, me with a camera that is a focal, uh, a focal, <laughs> a focusing distance of about an inch. <laughs> right, that's it. A, a, a focus. A, a, an in-focus plane of about you know, a quarter of an inch and a focusing distance of about an inch and a uh, picture of me chasing bumblebees around the garden <laughs> trying to photograph them. <laughs> I took three or four before I gave up. Um, they, they, they would rest on a flower and I would try and sneak up at the bumblebee and, uh, and take his photo before he realised I was there. But of course, I'm about, you know, uh, they, they flew off. So I, I doubt I've got anything. But, you know, who knows? I might have got extraordinarily lucky and have a, a contest winning shot. You don't if you don't try, <laughs> you don't you don't get anywhere, do you? Well, exactly. I, I do love that mental image of you just sort of paparazziing the the bumblebees and then being like, <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a bit like that, and at completely the other end of the scale. And uh, is it me, or am I the only person who doesn't like the use of the word macro for very small things? Um, uh, I actually found myself at a couple of sporting events recently. Uh, one I think I spoke about last week, which is I went to Wimbledon. Um, this week I got invited to the cricket. Uh, so on Wednesday evening, I was at the Oval to watch Surrey beat Essex uh, at the 2020. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so there I was in a, an enormous uh, place and, and trying to take uh, panoramas of, of it uh, only with my phone. This was you know, an after work thing and, you know, it was somewhat impromptu. So um, uh, I didn't have uh, a proper film camera with me, but uh, uh, or even an improper film camera. But... <laughs> uh but yeah so i just just wanted to to say uh yeah i quite like taking panorama photographs of those sorts of things and is that is that anything that uh, yeah declan do you you ever find yourself in a big place and you think this would be really impressive all i've got is a phone i've got to take a panorama yeah yeah i think when all you've got is your phone i think you always want to do a panorama if you're anywhere that's you know wider than six foot um but, you know, if whenever I climb, I'm quite into hiking and stuff. So whenever I climb to the top of a mountain, I always do like a little 360 spin on the top, you know. But it's, it's weird because when you view it, I mean, I don't really put pictures that I take on my phone on my laptop or anything. I don't. I, the only place I view them is on my phone. So you've got to really zoom in to see, you know, sections of the image, which just looks like you've taken a bunch of pictures instead of one big shot that you mm. wanted um have, you, have either of you two ever used the spinner the lomography spinner or do you know about it i've heard about it and i was very tempted by it but yeah no, I, I've not heard of it. 
I, I've heard <laughs> I've heard of it. It um it reminds me, uh, and this is probably not what it is at all, but it reminds me of those toys you used to get as a kid, where you'd have uh, um you'd have a handle uh, and a pull cord, and some you'd launch something off the top by pulling the pull cord as fast as you could. It would spin like a helicopter blade off the top or something like that. I'm sure that's not what happens to your film when you use one of those. <laughs> Although I've had I've had very varying experiences with the Lomography products over the years, but <laughs> I expect that's what, what's supposed to happen. Yeah, exactly. I don't think that was its original intention, but maybe that's what's happened to you, Aid. Who knows? Um, yeah, the uh, the spinner is um, basically it has its little remote, and uh, Kieran brought one actually along to the to the workshop, and I was like, oh, okay, well, we'll have a go with it because I again I'd seen them, but I hadn't ever used one. And it's a full 360 panorama. So basically it uses, you can set the speed of the, of the, from the remote. And basically we put it on top of a wheelie bin um, and just sort of stood around it in, in the middle of the park. Cause we were thinking, oh, that'd be quite nice. We can get um, the, uh, the trees in the background and what have you. Haven't seen how it's come out yet, but basically you put it in the middle, you use your little remote, you set and it literally turns around 360 degrees um, and shoots the roll of film as it goes. So I think you get either half a roll of film, sort of like it's it's sort of spread over 12 frames as like one enormous frame um, as a panorama. And they're, they're, I've seen some really beautiful ones, actually. They can be very, very effective. Um, again, because it's a lomography one as well, you, you automatically have that vignetting. You have that kind of lo-fi feel to it as well. So if that's the look you're going for in a in a panorama, it can be quite uh, quite effective. Um, actually, talking about panorama uh, as well, um, I saw that uh, Dan Smith on Instagram had put up something. I think it was today saying when the uh, XA2 is just not wide enough, and he's taken like four shots on uh, as portraits, but like next to each other in order to get that panorama so uh, I'd, I'd replied saying uh, that it was very creative and that he if he was feeling flush he should have a go with some instant film as well <laughs> we <laughs> said he didn't even have an instant camera so he wasn't able to do that just at the minute <laughs> so i have done i have done this with with uh analog uh only with 35 mil i've never <laughs> never dared do it with anything bigger than that just because of the cost but you can rattle off i i do occasionally rattle off two or three or four you know uh 35 mil shots usually in in portrait uh aspect you know and to, with, with a view of stitching them later and i usually i tend to let uh lightroom take take the uh, the burden of doing all the stitching these days uh but it's um it it's that 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 the i yeah the idea of using one of those spinners i suppose is good i think what i suppose what i should do then is, is to go and have a search on Flickr, isn't it for for photos taken mm. with the lomography spinner does that does that sound yeah. sensible to you that sounds sensible to me yeah um try Flickr, try on instagram um and just see what comes up and um like i say i think it's a it's quite a specific look um it, it's obviously it's lo-fi it's not going to be perfect and there's things sort of like falling out of of shot and what have you but i have seen some really love some really lovely ones so uh, yeah it's worth, worth a go a uh, bit of research time and and see whether that's the way to go hmm all right. Okay. Well, there you go. So that was a little bit of update for me, really. Um, not not particularly uh, film shooting oriented week, uh, other other than my uh, failed shots of the the, the bumblebees. But uh, I guess maybe uh, you don't know that they failed yet, Aid. That's a good point. Um, <laughs> but you weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> okay, so so technically we're just in like you know, um, uh, we're in Schrodinger territory, aren't we? You know, uh, the fo- the photos are both bad and good at the same time until the roll comes back from the lab. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I I'd be I'd be. I'd hazard a guess as to the outcome. Sad that that might be. Anyway, okay, so let's move on because we've got uh, a little segment here, um, which I think is is a little teaser, a little uh, a little introduction to something that we're going to do in the near future. Because um, listen very carefully, uh, listeners. Uh, at the end of this little segment, we're going to ask you to do some stuff and send us some ideas. So here we go. First up. A um, couple of things here that I have seen recently uh, that uh, I guess you'd say they fall into the category of photography gadgets, right? Um, and, uh, you yeah, know, everybody likes uh, gadgets, I think, who's a photographer. You know, it's part of the appeal of the of the hobby or the profession, isn't it, in some ways? Um, but I think these are two that are sort of accessories to, to photographers rather than things like lenses or cameras. So here goes. First off is a thing I spotted on the F-Stoppers website uh, a short while ago, um, and uh, I'm sure you can find it elsewhere as well. Uh, this is a little post-production gizmo. And um, it's uh, it allows you to have real knobs and faders and buttons to manipulate apps like Photoshop and Lightroom and stuff like that. And uh, I guess if you put them all in a line and you could pretend you are like a, a proper audio recording engineer sitting in front of a big sound desk. It's that kind of look and feel is, is what they've got. Um, but it's basically a, a sort of configure-it-yourself hardware interface for uh, your favourite post-production apps. Um, I, 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 you know, we, we, we're analog photographers, yeah. We like touchy-feely things, you know, and, and and things that are a little bit more tangible than just digital. Declan, what do you think about this as a concept? Well, again, it's yeah, it does, it does, it does look like something that you'd have a recording desk, not. You know, to add it an image, um, but I do get a bit sick of the the you know the sliders on Photoshop or Lightroom or whatever that you're doing. To I don't know. I like I like the idea of having like you could probably mark where your favourite bit is on a certain knob or lever or whatever you is. Um, yeah, I, I like the idea of it, but I'm I'm not quite sure. I think I'd have to use one. Because it's it's completely different from from how you usually do do it. It's a it's a completely different action. So you'd kind of have to learn where you want stuff all over again, really, wouldn't you? I th- I th- I think you would. Yeah. I mean, I think I think you know, for me, it's um, it it's all it's it's very very different. Uh, I I've never tried um, uh, a tablet either. You know, like a Wacom tablet or anything like that. And I I suspect that there'd be a a similar learning curve um, for for that sort of thing to to get to a point where you would be you're sort of comfortable to use them without thinking it through too much. I don't know, Rach. Have you ever used one of these uh, Wacom tablets or any anything like this? I haven't. I, and uh, thanks for sending over the link because I I went to it and and looked and thought, oh, it's it's just kind of like you know an app interface or something, and then scrolled down and realised that it is an actual physical object, which is which is kind of cool and. Um, I, do you know, the closest I've come to using something like this, I realise, is when I was learning video production. 
So uh, I was at the point, the crossover between analog and digital. And so I learned video production on VHS to VHS. So you had your input and you had your output machines that were hooked up to each other. Uh, Basically, you had your VHS in the top and your VHS in the bottom. And you would use kind of in a similar way the sort of like knobs to turn and and sliders and what have you uh, in order to create fades and wipes and to actually make your edits. So part of it, to me, feels very nostalgic and very kind of like early 2000s, sort of like late 90s, early 2000s, because this is sort of along the lines of what I would do for video production. So, yes, you would have to learn those physical sort of movements in order to make it work. Um, And I don't know whether I would, I don't know whether I'd necessarily have the patience to do that now. But but part of me is is intrigued and, uh, yeah, Again, like Declan said, I think I'd have to try it to figure out whether it's something I'd want to use in order to edit my photos. I think it might be slightly different uh, coming to it from my background, which was video production, because you're literally, you know, fast forwarding or rewinding the the footage by turning it left or right. Um, Whereas obviously with this, you wouldn't be doing that. You're literally, you know, changing your histogram. You're changing your sliders and things in terms of colour from, you know, black and white to colour or what have you. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. (laughs) I'm not sure either. Sorry. That that didn't really help much, did it? (laughs) I mean, I suppose you could put whatever you wanted. You could programme each knob to do a different thing. So you could dial it up similar to how you'd have an enlarger with like cyan magenta yellow that might be pretty cool yeah yeah that's a possibility yeah i ah. think from from what i've read anyway i mean it it, it seems that you it, with it it'll it'll hold uh, profiles on the software that you put on your machine and uh, then so if you if you can have them doing one thing in lightroom and another thing in photoshop and and all sorts of things like that and you can basically program them to do uh, a whole bunch of stuff uh, I uh, I think it appeals to the it appeals to the person in me that likes you know dedicated knobs, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, and you know because yeah I like having a camera that's got you know a, a shutter speed dial and and the one thing I really really miss on modern cameras is an aperture ring on the lens. Oh God, yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, Nikon have brought those back recently, actually. The yeah. Nikon DF brought those back. It did certainly, yeah. It gave you the opportunity to use lots of the lenses that that did have them, didn't it? I mean, and it was one of the reasons I shoot Fuji when I shoot digital is because you can have lenses with aperture rings on them, and and uh, and I like that. So it's it's so it appeals to me that for that. Um, uh, do I want to invest that much in? Yeah, not not sorry, not in the money terms. Do I want to invest that much of a learning curve in post production? Uh, well, maybe if I had to shoot digital all the time, I suppose. <laughs> Anyway, so we would be interested, listeners, to hear your thoughts on this. This is a thing called the Palette Gear Professional Control Surface. As uh, reviewed by F-Stoppers, there's a link in our show notes, and uh, we'd be interested to hear uh, whether any of you have tried it um, and uh, whether or not you like it or, or, or don't like it. <laughs> Especially if you don't like it. Anyway, moving on, we've got another... I <laughs> yeah, no, terrible, isn't it? But, you know, we've got to make this radio program interesting somehow, haven't we? So, uh, so. That's right. We'll be back next week and... Uh, yeah. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Usually. I was so tempted to record the now almost legendary camera bag episode this week while Graham was away, but... <laughs> just imagining the look on his face as he heard it. Ah, oh, dear. <laughs> 
<sighs> Never mind. So tell us about your other one then. Tell us about the other one. Okay, so this is something. So, uh, yes, uh, everybody will remember, no doubt, that we had Hamish on the show a couple of weeks ago. And uh, he runs a website called 35mmc.com. And, and actually, I found something on his website. Uh, actually, he posted it on Twitter and then I went and read it on his website uh, the other day, uh, which was interesting. And uh, this is something that I'll probably get the pronunciation wrong. I think it's called Scarabaeus. Uh, it's a German uh device um uh, an, an accessory for uh f- photographers and uh, it's actually a little metal clip uh, that goes on your belt and then allows you to ha- use your camera like a holster like a proper cowboy gunslinger and uh i don't know i think we're into uh, fashion police territory especially if you see the picture of hamish sporting this and and a little bag on his other hip <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry mate but you did post a photograph of yourself with things hanging off your hips um but yeah so this is this is a gadget that he says is uh he got um full disclosure on hamish's behalf he did get sent it to review um and uh, he does make sure that everybody who reads his blog post knows that up front uh and uh you know it's uh it's a little metallic device that you hook over your belt and then you plug a a thing into the tripod mount on a plate into the tripod mount on your camera and you can hang your holster hang your camera sorry like a holster um, and he says it's great and and he shoots weddings and stuff like that and i can totally see with event photography where this is coming from um, have you guys ever tried anything like this declan you ever had anything like this well i used to be one of my first jobs was a sports photographer uh sort of still in still in college um and I would have loved one of those instead of just, you know, lugging two, you know, 200 mil lens in one arm and like a 28 mil lens in the other, trying to shoot, you know, football players and then go into an event afterwards. And yeah, I think that would have come in real handy, actually. And again, feeling like that, that cowboy would be pretty cool, too. <laughs> i've not seen the picture yet but you know oh you have to scroll quite you've got to read or at the very least scroll down quite a lot of the blog posts before you get to the picture of hamish <laughs> <laughs> hidden it it is it's like an easter egg at the bottom of the blog post <laughs> <laughs> so yeah okay so i can see it so this is this is the thing i can totally see this because i usually shoot with a, a sling strap so so the camera is very readily available it hangs on my hip so despite all my jokes about the fashion police and i am sorry hamish sorry not sorry that's a thing you say these days isn't it sorry not sorry hamish um i could quite see uh myself wanting to try one of these things out and i confess i almost bought one today i haven't done it yet but i'm very very tempted uh, there are a few brands that sell them, uh, and so I was having a look on the internet to see who sold what and and uh, whether I might like to buy one. Undecided as yet, but watch this space. How about you, Rachel? You got any uh, uh, any time in your life for something like this? Um, I think it looks great, and and I um, I, I think the idea of of distributing the weight better. You know, are you using your hips in order to be able to? to carry the the weight of the cameras especially when they're bigger and heavier and what have you and when you're doing events or weddings or what have you it's uh, you know great for that the difficulty I have as a woman is that generally you know I'd, not all of my clothes has a belt in order for it to go on to That's <laughs> which <a good> is point. <laughs> which is potentially an issue um you, you wouldn't believe the amount of faff there is trying to find flipping flipping pockets things that have got pockets in my god you know they, who'd think that women take things around in pockets you know oh 
Okay, I won't get too much into a rant. <laughs> Isn't that what you carry those did... enormous bags for? <laughs> oh, God. I just want pockets and everything. It would be so much easier. Um, but yes, so any any item of clothing that has some pockets, I'm, I buy it. <laughs> it's like, yep, it's done. <laughs> um because because i have a lot of stuff that i have to carry around with me um and yeah i don't always want big chunky bags and things that i have to lug around i'd rather be a bit more streamlined um so uh, so yeah the, as as good as it looks the the amount of times that i'd be able to use it or or what have you um is potentially quite a bit less than it might be for a gentleman let's say um who maybe have a belt on their jeans the whole time um so so in that sense it's not something i would necessarily use all the time um i when we were i was at the photography show they had um the more like a harness that you could put around your back that would distribute the weight across the whole of your back and in your neck rather than it always being around your neck um and you could add on like if you you shot with one camera or if you shot with two cameras um and so i walked up to the stand i was like okay so this is what i do and they were like do you shoot with one or two and i was like how about four (laughs) and they went okay i'll just speak to my manager (laughs) um and uh, yeah, they didn't really have a solution for me with my four cameras, <laughs> but uh, but you know, never mind. Um, if you don't ask, you don't get. I thought I might as well find out. Yeah. Um, so perhaps there's a gap in the market there for me and my four cameras. Oh yeah, I've just found the shot of. <laughs> 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 oh, it's lovely. <laughs> His face. Look at his face. He looks very happy, right? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Cool. So there we go. Now, there is a reason for bringing up these two gadgets uh, and having a bit of a discussion of them because we at the Sunny 16 podcast have uh, spontaneously decided that we would like to host uh to host to provide to record uh, to publish a show that focuses on gadgets the sunny 16 podcast gadget show so uh rather than us doing all the legwork and having to buy loads and loads of new toys or convince people that don't know us yet uh that we're worthy of free gifts um we thought it'd be good to have listeners submit some ideas for gadgets uh, that we can review uh, on the show now when i say review um uh you can't see me doing the whole air quote thing <laughs> um we will um look at them and uh, we will consider them and uh, we reserve the right to rant about them a little bit or to to throw heaps of glowing praise upon them um so what we're asking for you to do listeners is to send us an email uh, that'd probably be the best thing uh, sunny16podcast at gmail.com uh, and send us a link to some of your favourite gadgets now these are not cameras these are not lenses uh, these are the unsung heroes of, of your photography uh, is it a belt clip uh, is it a special set of knobs and faders to do your post production is it I don't know something on a stick or a balloon or something like that whatever it is that, that, that actually you think is uh, something that other listeners might need to know about uh, or might just find it funny to know about and uh, a, a little bit entertaining uh, so if you could send us those emails uh, that would be brilliant and uh, in a week or two's time uh, well probably not next week but in a couple of weeks time we will put together a show that draws on all the submissions from the listeners and uh, focuses on gadgets Um, I don't know Rachel you must have some favourite gadgets I'm sure oh I've got some ideas I'm not going to give it all away right now though (laughs) and and Declan you must have some favourite gadgets as well 
Yeah, I I quite like uh, I quite like taking apart cameras to be honest. So my gadgets are more sort of pliers and stuff. It's excellent. You should you should speak to Graham then. Um, yeah, you yeah you should have to come back on the show again and speak with Graham because Graham would love that conversation. He likes Fantastic. to take stuff apart as well. So those are exactly the sort of things we're looking for. A pair of pliers. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Send us an email. <laughs> And uh, we will put together a show that will be delightfully entertaining and no doubt have some very strong and completely unevidenced opinions, which, of course, we all love. (laughs) And on that note, uh, we'll take a quick break and come back with some shout outs. Right, okay, we've got uh, a good number of shout-outs for you all this week, I believe. And uh, as per usual, we like to give our guests the opportunity to go first. So, uh, uh, Declan, who would you like to give a shout-out to? Uh, They're not shout-outs as such, because I don't really know them. Um, But I've got a a small list of photographers that I've been looking at recently uh, that I think are taking photography in an interesting direction. Um, So I've got Yukiri Chikura, who's a really interesting photography who, uh, photographer who works with uh, ideas of memory. Um, and she's got, a, she's got a series called Fluorescent. Uh, it's about uh, looking for her father through this uh, particular types of stone, which is really interesting. Um, I've got Daphna Telmore. Um, she's really cool. She cuts up negatives so her constructed landscapes series um she collects the negatives from everywhere that she's been she grew up in like five different countries um so she takes these like point and click like quite mundane pictures and cuts up the negative and sort of splices them all together to make this landscape of where she thinks she comes from um which is really really cool um yeah, I've also got one that I've only came across yesterday, actually. Uh, Danny Wagen Breitveits. Um, he works with Polaroid lifts um, and really textural work. It's all touchy-feely stuff, really cool. But yeah, that's that. those are my shout-outs. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, we, yeah, we'll make sure that the links to those are in the show notes uh, and so the listeners can go and have a look. See, uh, I have to say uh, all three of those are new names to me, which I consider to be a really good thing, because if you can't get new inspiration out of running a photography podcast, what the hell's it for? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, anyway. OK, so. Let's let's move on. So, Rachel, you got some, uh, uh, or at least one shout out for this week, then. Yeah, um, one shout out this week leave to uh, Jack. Um, I'm going to try and pronounce his surname, or maybe I should just spell it. Uh, it's Q U A C H Quatch Jack Quatch, perhaps. Um, and his uh, Instagram handle is at hashtag hashtag quack um but that's, I really like but that's the word so hashtag yeah not just the that's right yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's right yeah so it's the at symbol and then h-a-s-h-t-a-g-q-u-a-c-k hashtag quack there we go um so jack um i i really just like his his um his is sorry his thread 
on Instagram. Uh, it does obviously quite a lot of black and white, uh, lots of lovely kind of um, uh, French streets and uh, what have you. Um, I think one of them he was saying about you can't can't be in France and not feel an urge to pretend to be Henri Cartier-Bresson. So uh, <laughs> um, I enjoyed his little bit of street photography there. Um, and he's, he has some beautiful cameras as well, um, just some lovely stuff. And there's um, one recently that uh, has gone up, I think, today um, of him with a, a speed graphic. So uh, so that's that's really nice. I'm always a bit of a sucker for pretty looking cameras um, and uh, and lovely, lovely stuff that he's he's actually shooting as well. So uh, nice to see he's got a few images that he's mounted and framed and ready to go as well. So, uh, yeah, um, uh, he's just somebody that I've come across relatively recently and uh, he's very um, nice in terms of um, coming back to, you know, it, when you share images, if it's something that it's uh, that he's interested in, commenting, helping, giving feedback, things like that. It always seems to be very good with that. So, and I think that's really important as well to make it feel like it's a two-way conversation uh, rather than it just being I'm putting stuff out there all the time. You know, it's nice to actually get into conversations with people over these things, find out a bit more. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. And uh, everybody check that one out as well. OK, so uh, it's my turn uh, this week to read out our email uh, because Graham's not here. Um, so uh, he's not going to get to do it. Um, so uh, I have here one email. Now, this is from somebody we've mentioned on the show uh, a number of times before. This is uh, from Alex Bedwell. And he sent us an email and uh it's contentious in the in the first greeting. It says afternoon, Rachel and Graham and Aid. Why am I last? (laughs) (laughs) It's good that he's got you in it, though, Rach, because last week we were reading that and nobody knew that you were going to be joining the team as a uh, a fully fledged paid up member. So uh, none of them were addressed to you. So somebody's been listening at least. That's very sweet. Okay, back to Alex's email. Afternoon, Rachel and Graham and Aid. I am sitting on a beach in Marbella trusty Lubertel 2 in hand thinking about film and stuff all right on his holidays well unless he happens to live in marbella but i don't think he does <laughs> uh Lubertel 2 well uh yeah okay well let's see where he's going with this i was having a few thoughts about where film photography can go months ago you were talking about how eventually all film cameras will wear out and there won't be anyone to fix them Hamish Gill said that someone needs to make a new 35mm film camera and that may start the the ball rolling. (laughs) See, this is why Graham reads out the emails. Will it, though? Does the film community need to get together and sort it out? Lomography does great things, but not easy to use. (laughs) What's the answer? I love my Olympus OM4 and Lubitel 2, but have recently killed an Olympus 35RC and a Konica C35 automatic, which panics me. What does the future hold? Ah, Much love from sunny Spain, Alex. (laughs) Okay, well, where do we start with that? So, I mean, we've had this conversation a little bit, actually, recently, haven't we? Uh, As uh, Alex mentioned, a little bit with with Hamish. um, And... uh, uh, you know, it's something that I think about. Um, I think Hamish's point of view was that there are two companies that make film commu- uh, film cameras at the moment, Leica and Lomography. Um, you know, there doesn't seem to be many, but, uh, many others in the game for what you might call your fairly standard, easy to use point and shoot or SLR. Um, Declan, what's your mm. view on this? You, you, would you would you buy uh, a modern produced SLR? Definitely, yeah. 
um, I think the the market's there. I mean, you've got people who turn up to you know antique centres and spend hundreds of pounds on something that they know could break tomorrow, uh, simply because they're in love with the technique and the practice and it being analog. Um, people are steadily running out of options, so why not have a new camera with up to date glass and stuff, but takes takes on film. I mean, I mean, you know, we've got a, there are plenty of people that are interested in it. I'm sure. Uh, I think you're probably right, uh, but Rachel, what do you think? To be honest, I feel the same. Um, I think there's there's a market there for it. Um, it's just that it's potentially such a niche market that um, you know the bigger the bigger manufacturers who obviously focus on uh, digital um, may not see it as necessarily a viable option so although you know we feel as analog shooters that it should exist and there is a gap there um, I don't know that they would necessarily go oh yeah we're going to put money into making a modern form of that Um, you know just unfortunately I think that that's possible possibly the case um it is a weird one though isn't it you know with the the idea being that at two polar opposites you've got lomography and and Leica, and they're the only two actually making film film cameras yes. at the moment the, the, um, the only thing they have in common is their pricing policy yeah, <laughs> yeah. but yeah so th- there's a there's a gap there for it definitely but but yeah i i, I don't know that that would necessarily will happen um I think along the lines of what Hamish was saying as well, the the worry is that the older cameras, as we're starting to, um, uh, you know, when they break down or they don't work as well as we'd hope or we want to get them serviced or what have you, the skills to be able to do that are not necessarily always going to be around. Um, the people who are able to do that might, you know, might not be able to pass those on. And, and I suppose for me, what maybe what we should be doing is encouraging perhaps more um younger the younger generation to um to look at things like engineering and you know your stem subjects your science your technology your engineering your maths and and working out how they can uh, you know utilize those skills in in the future you know that there's the potential there that they could easily you know figure out how to uh, how to create um you know a, a new modern working film camera um no problem um but i think it, it that will need to come from the, let's say like the instax mini generation in order for there to be enough people around who want to use it for it to be a viable option um so let's keep those skills alive basically is what i'm trying to say and uh, you know and i think that that's that's the way for it to go forward hopefully yeah i think i think that sounds like a lot of sense there actually um i think uh it it, it is it is a small market but i would love to see somebody uh aiming to address it um uh you know i'm i'm a bit conscious that you know i myself favor i i don't know a particular let's say a particular set of functions and and uh, and lack of other functions in my cameras that in in the world of slrs or 35 mil slrs draws me to about the mid 1980s (laughs) um and uh you know and it's uh and that's not the right for everybody um and so Mm. i think it's a big ask to try and draw together you know some uh i'm not going to go ridiculous and say you know 180 years of analog photography into one product but yeah let's say something from i don't know um 
the 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 late fifties, you know, the launch of the Nikon F or something like that, through to uh, the the last of the the mainstream uh, um, film cameras that were produced in the early two thousands, to span that five six decades with one product mm. might be quite tricky. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's such an impossible task, task that isn't it i mean it's so it's such a big a big ask to try and encompass that and as you say you know different cameras work for different people for different effects you know and obviously you, we discussed that as well don't you know it's like well i'm choosing each one specifically for a particular effect so you know would it be a case of um you know we make a, a new 35 mil slr like a like an OM or an old Pentax or something um but those cameras already exist and are, are kind of there at a price point that we you're not having to pay hundreds and hundreds of pounds for them you know so it's kind of like oh, I don't know I think it's more the um the reuse recycle maintain you know skills really those skills are what we could do with keeping hold of and uh, and continuing to to champion over necessarily making new ones i don't know um i mean as much as i would love to see that happen i'm not sure that you know i think for me priority would be to make sure that there's people who can still fix the old old cameras <laughs> mm, yeah it'd be nice why, it'd be nice why would you want to build something that already exists as an engineer or as someone who's you know building these things why would you make want to make something that's already out there that someone can get maybe a bit more battered but you know a quarter of the price you know mm. um you know if if, if nikon can make a, a df that looks like a film camera you know if fuji can make an xt1 or x100 that looks like a film camera or you know olympus bringing out the omds why can't you just replace the the sensor with a film and say here it is let's, <laughs> yeah, let's take the coupons out just cut them all and then chuck some film back in, in the back instead. Yeah, yeah, it's just different levels, <laughs> different levels of authenticity, isn't it? So you think, can is, have... is that the is that the Instax SQ10 you've just described there? Then, <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe not. I wouldn't want mine to print. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> It's a tricky, it's a tricky subject, but that's a really, that's a really interesting take on it, Declan. Why would you, um, when you know, and and how do you take it forward? So I'm afraid, in terms of Alex's email, uh, Alex, uh, I think, um, well, we all have a point of view. Ultimately, though, uh, we failed, I think, to answer your question of what does the future hold, um, uh, other than um, it, it's niche, it'll be expensive. <laughs> <laughs> but uh ho ho um uh, anyway uh alex closes his email with uh p.s new stuff on the way soon um, i'm not quite sure what that refers to uh so um i will look forward to seeing whatever alex shares with us uh as the new stuff uh and and hopefully soon um all of which i think guys uh actually brings us to the end of this week's show uh so yeah it's um yeah, I hope it's been a, an interesting conversation for for you guys, Declan. Thank you very much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. It's been great to hear uh, the stories of your projects and your view on creativity in general. Uh, listeners, 
you can get in touch with us on the little thing we call the internet. Uh, Graham's not here this week on the show, but he is still looking after our Instagram account, which is at Sunny16Podcast. And I am still here looking after our Twitter account, Sunny16Podcast. You can post your photos to our Flickr group, uh, which is uh, something that we haven't spoken about on the show for a while, but is is still steadily accruing images, and we will get round to it, I promise, and and have a good show where we review what's uh, been posted there. Uh, but in the meantime, please email us your favourite gadget tips and tricks and links, uh, and any other stories you have for us to sunny sixteen podcast at gmail dot com. Uh, as always, we like to say thanks uh, to Chris at pixelatedphotographer.com. Uh, the conversation around the Cheap Shots Challenge is, is still kicking on over there, and uh, I will have something to share with it soon. I've just got the last couple of frames on my first roll for that, and I know that Graham's been thinking about it too. Uh, and, oh, well, Rachel told us last week how uh, I think this big super yellow camera of yours, Rach, is uh, going to be used with... Uh, some sort of enormous three foot across lens from a lighthouse or something isn't it oh yeah uh, yeah it's my my part in larger part magic lantern that i dismantled in an attempt to try and find a magnifying glass that was big enough to work with my stupid camera (laughs) that um, (laughs) my minimum is 1.2 meters um and uh and the challenge this week declan you'll be pleased to know is macro so uh pretty screwed over for that and there uh, there we have in a nutshell the frustration that goes with the cheap shots challenge it's called a challenge for a reason (laughs) anyway you can catch up (laughs) on a lot of the conversations around that on chris's website at the pixelatedphotographer.com and thank you for chris as always for hosting the podcast uh and last but very very not least uh we say thank you to rocker rachel's band every week for allowing us to use their music on the show uh check out their album promises i should have kept which you can find on amazon or itunes now that there is the very end of the show so we will speak to you next week and uh, goodbye bye 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 <laughs>